The golden rule says you should treat others the way you want to be treated. But an unfortunate truth is that idea doesn't account for the driving power of wanting to prove someone wrong or get even. Media moguls Vince McMahon and Ted Turner turned the 90s cable airwaves into an open war zone of professional wrestling with millions of fans. The global superpowers of the 20th century even threw down to be the first to send a man to the moon just as a flex. There are stories where people crash and burn in perceived mutual hatred, too. Like naturalist Charles Waterton humiliating himself trying to bring down American birding icon James Audubon. But that's the beauty of beef. It's funny, it's dark, it's humanity in a nutshell. And it's a triple gold signal award-winning show from Next Chapter Podcasts. I'm Bridget Todd. Join me as I serve up the juiciest rivalries you've never heard of. Listen to Beef wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So the most important thing that happened this week in the world was that we found out officially. Well, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. The f- most important thing that happened in the world was that me, you, Rebecca Bregman, and Tom Chacho got to see each other. That's actually first and foremost. That is. Do you think that the people listening would agree that that's the most important thing? <laughs> I don't care. They don't. They, don't. they don't. They they won't. But at that little meeting, we did do our research and discover. We excavated some, like a, a woolly mammoth is what Which we did. now everyone knows. We just happened to find out this information before other people did. And so we're reacting. Like we invented the information, but the bottom line is that the audiobook of Barbara Streisand's new uh, memoir is 48 hours and 14 minutes in length. That is not a joke or an exaggeration. It even sounds like a joke number 48 hours, 48 hours, which is a show. It's not, it's not a joke. This is insane. Like, she wasn't like, I'm gonna stop this at two. 
physical days, she's like, I will give you 15 more minutes. She did it on purpose. To say she that it's it. more than 48 hours yep. long. Yeah. It the is. unmitigated gall. It is um, the most. But you know what? Barbara Streisand invented unmitigated gall yeah, and correct. has deserved every stone. See what I did there? Like a gall stone. She deserves oh every single stone. I can't wait to read this book. I don't know what month I'm going to take a leave of absence from my job to read it because it is 992 pages. And the audiobook is supposed to be for, I want to get this done quickly. I, we cannot get this done. How will this get done quickly? I need someone else to read it and give me bullets. Well, I, I can't gonna, sit through it. You know, we're now right now in the time machine. So as of press time, mm -hmm. <laughs> we are... It has not come out, but when this episode airs, I will already have been 24 hours into this book. So, so is your plan to listen to it for 24 straight <laughs> hours? If I could, I would. I'm not getting enough advanced details about like what no. it was like for Barbara to like, you know, smack Elliot Gould or fuck John Peters or any of the good shit that I, you know, was well, there a you know hand what? job with Ryan O'Neill? These are the facts I need. On what page of the 992 does she start talking about Dick? I don't know if she's doing, like, she's going on Howard Stern. Yes, which I cannot it? wait for. Aligning up to my phone to listen to that. Absolutely. As well. And I, but I don't think she's doing any press before the day it comes out. Like we don't, we should have like seven people.com Instagram posts saying like Barbara Streisand says in her, in her new book, blank, 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 blank. Well, this like is we what I'm saying. Britain. While you were off flitting about in Las Vegas this weekend, which we will get to in a moment, she was appearing on CBS Sunday morning with Gail King and she's doing, I think she's going to be on Colbert. So they were, they were not lengthy segments. You know, they were nice, cute interviews but Barbara doesn't have time to be on a lengthy segment no tea was really no tea was spilled that I hadn't heard before like I've heard Roger Friedman uh said online that the book isn't very juicy it's more like philosophical so I am rolling oh one, rolling one eye at that because <laughs> when I read a celebrity memoir I want to know that someone in the book is afraid to leave their house after reading it and yeah. I don't think that that's going to happen here I'm nervous that she's going to, like, it's, she's going to go, it's going to be Tolkien level of, like, she's droning on and on for pages about, like, one place that she went to one time. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. Do you think she's world building with this memoir yes, and it's the yes. first of seven books? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Streisandland. I, truly, I think she's like talking about the Shire for like three chapters. And then she's like, then I started singing, you know what I mean? And then right. like, does this make, does this make Jason Gould Frodo in this, in this book? Think, Would it be? I believe so. I will listen to it. I, I will be traveling a bit in December doing my holiday shows. So I'm planning on having Barbara accompany me on every flight. Cause the important thing is this 48 hour book is read by Barbara Streisand herself, if we haven't been very clear. I believe there's an intro by Stephen Colbert, but then it is all Babs all the time. Now we know I why mean, it took her so long to write the goddamn thing. What a voice to just have in your ears talking to you about God knows what cockamamie, like, fucking bullshit that she's going to be talking about. What a beautiful, soothing balm to just cover yourself with while you're flying this, that, there, everywhere. <laughs> this... This is how long the audiobook is. We've been doing this podcast for almost a year, and we have not recorded as much content as Barbara has with one book. 
we're at like 38 or 39 episodes. This lady was just like, I'm going to do a whole season of shit at one time. Dominic, she has a lot to say. Well, she did wait, you know, she is 80 years old. She did wait quite a long time to do the book. So I don't mind that the book is long. I do appreciate the comedic value of it being 48 hours long. I mean, and also her releasing this right before my own holiday show has been a real gift to me because being able to speak on stage about both Britney and Barbara's dueling biblical biographies is a real gift. And here's the first line of the song that I'll be singing about Barbara's uh, biography to the tune of people. Naturally it goes, Barbara loves talking about Barbara. (laughs) The audio book of her memoir is a weekend long. And I haven't even read it yet, and I'm already shredding it. I cannot wait. Barbara Streisand is an 80-year-old gift that keeps on giving. Dominic, Teach the no, children. No one is ready for you to sing that song on a stage. It went interspersed with, with hey, y'all. I mean, these are the books of the, this is the Old and New Testament of 2023. <laughs> yes. These biographies. Of our lives, of our generation. <laughs> Lives. Of yes. our lives. Yes, it's sort of a bookend of our pop culture lives. Barbara like and Brandy. The fact that you are saying 2023 is uh, personally offensive to me. Of our lives. I hope that someone at the Recording Academy is listening because if you don't have the duo of Barbara Streisand and Britney Spears presenting Album of the Year this year, uh, you are not doing your jobs. Dominic, Get it done. Dominic Anthony. Christopher, I, you, Michael. is it Michael? Michael. It's yes. Michael. You know that. I smoke so much weed, Chris. Dominic Anthony, if this happens, we are, it's proven that everyone's listening. I fixed the Grammys for free. It's not, yeah. I just, I just fixed all of it. It doesn't even matter You're who welcome. hosts. You're welcome, you Grammys. faint wherever we are. We'll just fall over <laughs> and not be able to get up for, for 48 hours. And that's also, what will happen if we... If that happens with the holidays coming, Chris and I actually also hire out to go to your parties and pass out. Like we will do that for any in public. Like if you need someone to end a party or get out early, we offer that service where we will go anywhere and just fall down. Honestly, go, pretend to be drunk or co- I think I have COVID. <coughs> we'll clear a room with that. Honestly, like, oh. please hire us. And then fall and then boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. you've fallen even- on this podcast. You'll do it. On, you'll do it at the drop of a hat. Well, everyone knows I keep a fainting couch uh, in my clutch, so it folds yeah. out just in <laughs> a case. Fold, a fold out, a compact fainting couch. <laughs> that would be our merch. What that we hire, our, that we whore ourselves no. out physically to pass I, out. Our merch should be a compact fainting couch that you can put in your purse. Okay, well, we'll have to. Who's going to build we'll have to figure that? It out. We're going to have to call. Who do, do we call? Mark Cuban? Do we go on Shark I Tank? Know. I don't know what to do. I just learned about money laundering last week. I don't know what, I wouldn't even know even how to do that. Wait, know that like I was trying to bring up money laundering. There's like something that's going on in Beverly Hills where Dorit is like, got $10,000 in cash stolen from her at the grocery store, allegedly. And I was trying to like explain it. I was telling my friends like, well, now that I know everything about money laundering, it's clearly this. (laughs) (laughs) It's like. Literally, clitorally, excuse me, clitorally, I was like going to try to explain it and then was like, okay, never mind. I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) 
Listeners, it's been quite a weekend at Fixing Famous People, by the way, and I know we talk about the vast decades of difference in mine and Chris's ages. I don't think that that would have been proven more than with our weekend plans uh, this past weekend. Chris will fill us in a little bit. Chris has been at BravoCon in Las Vegas uh, for several days. I'm still here. I, on Friday night, went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. That was many days ago, and I'm still recovering from it, and I I didn't even drink. So that's it was just a lot of walking and dancing. And by dancing, I mean just sort of swaying. Because I'm 52 years old, and I was the youngest person in that room. Like, I'm not even joking. I'm not. I felt so alive. Tell me everything. Tell me everything. Um, We're going to start with the Rock Hall before BravoCon. All right. It was... It was four hours and it moved because it was airing live on Disney Plus. So there were no commercial breaks. I didn't think it was going to be that long, but I got to see, I will say, many people perform live who I have never seen perform live, like Willie Nelson and Missy Elliott and New (gasps) Edition and Shaka Khan. Like I've loved all these people, but I've never seen them perform live and they just killed it. Missy Elliott closed the night and was by far the best performance. I have goose. Look, look at my look. Look at the hair on your forearms, Chris. I have goosebumps. You really do have goosebumps. I love Missy Elliott so much. She is such an important part of me growing up and like learning what artistry uh, was. I'm so, so jealous of you. It hurts me physically. Queen Latifah introduced and uh, inducted, induced, let's say induced. I know it's wrong. Uh, Queen Latifah induced Missy Elliott, which you can take anyway and probably also has happened that way as well. Uh, How dare you? (laughs) How dare you? I did not know. She deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She should have gotten induct. She should have been induced 10 years ago. First female rapper induced into the Hall of Fame. As it should be. Yep. I, I'm holding myself back from going on a diatribe about how important Missy Elliott is to American music. I'm so jealous of you. And I thought I was coming here with like a little bit of like guns loaded to like make you feel jealous of me. And I wanted, I would have traded every single thing that I did this weekend for to see Missy Elliott perform and then be induced. Do you know how many housewives are going to find you on Instagram and start shaming you for saying that? I don't care. All I right, don't care. That's the truth. I don't either. It was great. Lativa. uh, induced her she okay, performed a medley i'm gonna keep saying it la tifa um and they why is that funny that's her name should i her call her queen, queen. <laughs> you're just like calling her by her last name and latifa it's like, first of all latifa is not her last name it's not on her driver's license her name is uh dana dana owens anyway queen we'll just call queen. her queen. queen queen and so then missy did like a 10 minute medley of all of her hits and you forget she's not even that i mean i believe she's just in her early 50s but there's a lot of music there like a lot lot lot. so many songs and when she accepted she was very emotional and by the way i think this is it's going to air on abc in january but is should be streaming on disney plus right now if anyone wanted to watch the four-hour behemoth that that we sat through it was when she thanked her mother, her mother was in the audience and you're going to, you're going to pass out. I'm going to cry. I'm going to start crying. I don't know if I can, I don't think I can hear that. She said that her tonight was a big night because not only was she being induced into the rock and roll hall of fame, but (laughs) her mother was in the audience watching her perform for live for the very first time. 
because she never invited her mother to come see her because her mother belongs to the church and she didn't want to be saying the P word and one minute man in front of her mother on stage. And tonight was the night that she did it. It was, it brought the house down. It was a wonderful moment. Listeners, Chris is legitimately crying. He looks, he looks, he's legitimately crying. You are younger and gayer than me right now. I've never seen someone act gayer than me in the room. You have, you have really, you've unlocked a new fucking world right here. Please tell us what she means to you. I, she, I can't, I'm going to start crying. I can't. It's, I remember being on AOL, like dial up internet and like, a- when AOL music was the thing that you would be able to watch, like you would be able to watch some of the music videos like uh-huh. on demand before like YouTube existed or right? like anything sure. on, was on demand, sure. ever, but you could watch the music videos as a file on AOL. Sure. And I would watch over and over and over and over again, the video for I'm really hot mm-hmm. and um, one minute man. And obviously get your freak on. Right. Um, work it like i would watch those music videos and just like i wanted to be the little kids that were dancing i was like basically their age and i would like watch those little kids dancing and be like i could be this like why am i not this person and then i would like learn all the moves and i just remember being like seeing her videos and thinking about the fact that no one doing any kind of art was like doing anything like what she did in the work at music video when in the beginning she's just being dragged by her feet and she's laying down and is being dragged across the ground and then like flips uh-huh. back up in the lose control whenever she's laying down in the sand and they have like it's just her head and then they have like a sand body for her and she's singing the song doing that and then there's all of a sudden just a line of people in blue hoodies and you can't see their faces and they're just doing all these da- like it, the artistry of her is so it's unparalleled and it still is unparalleled and no one that I've ever seen has ever touched how creative she is period I don't period I don't even think I realized how much like when I heard she was being inducted pardon me induced induced uh I was like, oh, you know, I, I don't dislike me. I mean, everyone loves Missy Elliott. It just seemed like a, a strange choice. But when they were when when Queen Latifah was doing Queen. the uh, the intro, she's just done so much stuff, and it's not just stuff that she's been a vocalist on. It's like she's written for other people, produced for other people. I mean, she's pretty major. She's pretty major. Uh, who else? Oh was no, in- she she's a yeah. national international treasure. There's no doubt. Chaga Khan was insane as always. It's one of the many wonderful qualities. And I'd not, I saw if her, I'd seen her before, I don't know if I, if I have, I'm not sure if I've I seen saw her, her perform once and she was doing like hip gyrations and we were screaming. I was like, oh we, Hassan and I were screaming bloody murder. We were, it was the best <laughs> shit of our lives. Um, George Michael was inducted by his wham bandmate, Andrew Ridgely. And it was wonderful and emotional. And they had three singers come and sing, uh, Miguel sang Careless Whisper. Adam mm-hmm. Levine came out and sang Faith. I wasn't that thrilled about that. And then Carrie Underwood came out and, uh, oh God, what did she sing? Jesus to a Child? I can't remember. Uh, Carrie no, One Underwood. More Try. She sang One More Try. Carrie I know, but they sort of- Underwood Carrie Underwood. Apparently singing. he was a big influence on her. Um, oh, Lord. I went with my best friend, Mark, and we were with uh, another friend, 
who flew in, who flew cross country to see George Michael inducted because she's that big of a fan. And I lost count of the amount of times I looked at her and said, it's really rude that George Michael didn't show up. (laughs) 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 She didn't think it was funny either, but uh, I probably said it like 25 times. Willie Nelson, woo, man, he is old, but he can still still command a room. I mean, he's 90 and can still, what a fucking life. Like they could have talked about it. That's someone who needs a 48 hour audio book to talk about his life. Has he written a memoir? He should. Um, I don't I mean, know. What's it? He's 90 years old. What does he fucking care about anymore? But uh, he should. DJ Cool Herc was there. He's the guy who threw the party that is widely credited as the birth moment of hip hop 50 years ago. He was there. He's also quite long in the tooth, but brought the crowd to their feet and full of tears. It was wonderful. That's, I, you really saw like a historic. It was in, I really was, I thought I was going for like a 90 minute twirl. Yeah. Let me get on a step and repeat. I didn't take any pictures. In fact, cause I was so wrapped up in what Enthralled, was happening. I, and that yeah. never happens to me. I'm easily distracted. I'm like a cat with a laser. Like it doesn't even matter who's in front of me. I'll just walk away. Uh, and then Cheryl Crow opened the evening and she is love Cheryl. I mean, the the takeaway from Cheryl for me was that she is 61 years old and looks like she was frozen in time. Like, yeah. I don't understand why when we're talking about people who look so much younger than their age that she's not part of that conversation. Like, it should always be just like, there's Michelle Pfeiffer, there's Cheryl Crow. What are the secrets? Like, she's she looks tw- at least 20 years younger than her actual age. It's it's insane to me. There's Michael Douglas. Yeah, we get it. Michael Douglas <laughs> is actually the rare celebrity that looks 20 years older than his actual age. <laughs> I feel like instead of keeping a fainting couch in his clutch, he should carry a coffin because it's any <laughs> it's any moment. He has looked near death for, I can't even imagine. How <laughs> I long? Knew, I knew you were going to love that one. <laughs> I am offended that anyone at Marvel would... Would convince try to convince me that Michelle Pfeiffer would have sex with Michael Douglas. I think it's we know Dominic. We, everyone listening to this podcast how knows that you. That's how you feel. Put Michael with Judy Dench, someone more age appropriate. Like that's no. fine. How dare you try to throw him on your girl? <laughs> well, there, she's a professional actress. She yeah, could correct. Correct. She could just uh, warble through it. Now wait. So I I did not think we would be talking about the rock all this long, but it was a wonderful night. And thank you to Mark for. Well, I didn't um, think you were going to make me cry. Also, I love that I made you cry about something so wonderful. So now, when I need you to just pause for a minute, I'm just going to start singing "One Minute Man" on this podcast, (laughs) (laughs) and then you'll burst into tears, and I can have the floor. Yeah. Um. Please tell us all about BravoCon. You are still at press time there in a bathroom in Las Las Vegas. (laughs) Okay. Um, it was, it was truly, you know, we do a very select niche job and you hear that there's fans and you know that there's fans and people might message you on Instagram or like talk about, you know, this is my favorite show or you, you know, you're at a party and you talk to someone and you said, Oh, I'm just worked on the show. And they're like, I love that show. I've seen every episode of it. And it like, it, there's a very complicated relationship that I'm sure that we all have with that, but being able to see all of these fans come to this stage and be like rabidly obsessed with what you do as a job is like, there's no, it almost threw me for a loop the first day because I was not prepared for 
those emotions to happen to me. Does that make mm. sense? What like emotions just, from them or were you feeling a certain being way? There and being there and being like, oh, this is like what I like am part of this big thing that does this. Right. And these people As like a housewives producer, all over right. the world to right. come here and like take a picture with Teresa or, you know, Dorinda or, you know, the people that I are my coworkers every day. <laughs> I mean, they are your coworkers, coworkers essentially. You're both being paid to be there. Yes. Did um, you meet any housewives that you hadn't met before? Well, you know, I've met, I met so many Bravo celebrities that I did not meet before, right. but I was, had one person in mind of like who I was going to fangirl out over and like be completely not like who, who an industry person and just completely be a fan of. And that was one the one and only Miss Lisa Barlow from Salt Lake City. Oh. And my friend Chiffon is, was working BravoCon and she was like, Lisa's going to be on a panel at this time. Go there. And you can meet her. I've been telling her since we've been we've been shooting Real Housewives in New Jersey. I've been like, I love Lisa Barlow. I love her so much. She's my favorite one. I can't believe you know her. I'm obsessed with her. And again, like, I don't do this for any other person. I walked over to her and was like, I'm obsessed with you. I love you, Chiffon. I tell every day how much she's you're so great. <laughs> I like, didn't even say like, hi, I'm a producer on this network. Like, I like didn't even like, explain who I was. I just was like a straight up fan and was like, can I please, I need a photo with you. I must have a photo. And she took a picture with me and it was, oh, she was great. I love her. So I love her so much. Like, she's like, for you, she's the share of housewives, basically. For me now, yes, because like all the other people that would have been in that position now, I've now known for a decade. And so it's like not exciting. Plus they're your coworkers. I'm seeing my coworkers. They're your colleagues. Right. But when I tell you the fans are like, speaking of share, we, I was with Sonia at one point and we turned the corner. And when Sonia I Morgan. tell you, yeah. Sonia Morgan, when I tell you, it, you would have thought Taylor Swift was walking. I'm sure. Like, down I'm the, sure. Like, it was wild. But it was cool to see. It's cool to go to a panel and then like see the trailer for a show that you did and see that like a, sh a shot that you filmed on your cell phone is in like the worldwide trailer <laughs> for a show. And right. things, it, you know, it's you get so desensitized to like what we do, I feel like a lot. And so to right. be able to go here and see this, it was like a big reminder that like what we do is some some people's like favorite thing in the whole world. I, fi I find that a lot. It takes me by surprise as well. Mm. It, 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 that happens to me in strange moments because you do, and I'm doing this even longer than you, you do sort of get desensitized just to fame in general. And yeah. then sometimes I just meet or see somebody and I'm like, whoa. Like I sort of felt that way when I saw Willie Nelson on Friday night. I was just like, I'm seeing Willie Nelson perform and that's I've never seen that before. And it's a big deal. He's a big deal. I met Gloria Estefan recently and the same thing happened where I was just like, I you were like, Oh, this person is an absolute. I was, icon. I was starstruck. Yeah. I'm like, you are a true living legend. And I'm just here like shooting the shit with you. And I should actually be uh, cleaning your shoes with yes, my tongue because I met, you are a guy. I met Lisa Barlow. Same thing. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. Because Lisa <laughs> Barlow is often compared to Gloria Estefan or Willie Nelson. All the time. I am, when I tell you I am a salt lick, like I have no moisture in my body. I am exhausted. God, you have to hydrate. Use those packets. I, I told you. I need the packets. I'm dead. Like I am so exhausted, but it was so much fun. I got to meet so many people. Oh, guess who? Walk in for the first day that I'm there. Within two minutes, guess who I run into? 
Tom Sandoval. Brian Moylan. Get out of here, friend first, of first the First person pod. I speak to when I walk into BravoCon. I love he's there. I'm like, hi. And he's like, oh my God, hi. I met Danny Pellegrino. I met so many other, like Ryan Bailey, the one girl from Two Judgy Girls. I met all these podcasters that they were like, you don't, you have like a podcast too? And I was like, yes. What I do you do mean, do we have a podcast too? It's the number seven podcast in the nation this week. Uh, sure. <laughs> I keep a different chart. It was great. I don't know. I just had so much fun. I don't even think I've like really processed this. I, when I'm home, I'll then process it and be like, wow, this was amazing. The real question is, how were you able to function knowing that you were in the same city as Celine Dion for 72 hours? I wasn't. She's not, she wasn't there? She doesn't live here anymore. She's in Canada recovering. But have you seen, by the way, that yeah. she's like back on the streets? Well, I saw that, but I thought that that took place in Las Vegas. Did no, it it's not? in Canada, I think. Oh, I don't know. She doesn't live here anymore, I don't think. We'll let the viewers... I could be wrong, but I have seen her here in Las Vegas before, so... Got it. Um, my girl. But I'm over the moon. I'm surprised we didn't lead with this, because so much has happened that I forgot. About but Celine. the fact that she's like out in the world and not yeah. like dying is like a beautiful... Like I'm moved to tears. She went to a Montreal that. Canadiens hockey game, and she took her three sons, who are... I, somehow, they're all aged 35 to 40. I don't understand how this has happened, but... They grew up so quickly. Her kids are so huge and old. It is insane. Uh, yeah. But she looked very good, because I know that no, she's been I'm, ill for a number of years, but she looked I'll, great. I'll cry again if I talk about it too much. Like, I'm so happy that she's at least, like, okay, because she's my, like, she is my share. Maybe you are so dehydrated because you can't stop crying about all of these women no, uh, that you're meeting. <laughs> oh, but speaking of speaking of crying, I did come face-to-face with one of our clients. Who? And that client was Tom Sandoval. <gasps> did I tell him that I had done a podcast episode about him? Of course not. Did I tell him that he, I know that he knows who I am because he listened to the episode and then did exactly what I told him to do? Of course not. I but, saw photos of him. Was he wearing that kilt? Because he said he wasn't wearing anything underneath that kilt. No. I would have crawled under kilt. that kilt if I was next to him. I think but that I know I will that tell he's you a piece that, of shit, but he's a hot piece of shit. What I will say to you, he's hot in person. Yes! And friend of the pod, Aaron Bagwell. Met him in Schwartz, and she still isn't hasn't recovered from it. I would I would imagine she's on another level. She just kept texting back, "I am not okay. I am not okay." Over and over and over again. And then when I called her, when I called her, she couldn't even form sentences because she was like actively having a mental breakdown about the fact that she got to see them. That is fantastic. I read somewhere that she, what's her name, Sheena, pulled Tom Sheena. aside and. Gave him a piece where she doesn't like the way Tom's been talking about Ariana. It's like, Sheena, you know what? Go live your life. That that this this Sandoval was never about you. This is Move not the on. time for this. No, this is not it's the not the time. Do it Let on the Tom show. Live. Look, guess what? Also, do it. I'd love to see that on the on the television show called Vanderpump Rules. That's sure. what I'd love to see. Also, yeah. Tom cheated on someone. You know who else has cheated on someone? Like ninety percent of the people you know, Sheena, including probably you, the person you're with, and most of your close friends and family. Let's. We got what we can out of it. Let's just move on. Let Tom live. I need him to date a million other people, and I need to be one of them. Let him live. No. Yeah, you were ready. I should let have him live. I should have slipped him your number. Is what you I should have. Yes, anyway. Absolutely. He has anyway, it. he has my number. Please go to Chris's personal Instagram to see how nicely he was dressed. He looked like a cast member on one of these shows. He just blended in very well there. You look like a model. You look like Lindo Evangelista. That's what we're going to call you. Lindo. You're so stupid. It was gorgeous. Um, speaking of being models and shows, yeah. 
you have a holiday show coming up. I have a holiday show coming up, and there was a bit of a scare last week because on Halloween morning, oh, wait, the wait. venue <laughs> we haven't even spoken about. <laughs> this episode's going to be two hours long. I'm so sorry for everyone to say. We're Go ahead. Going. No, I'm sitting here Halloween morning doing my job, looking at cuts, and I get an email from the venue in D.C. where I was performing called Crazy Aunt Helen's, and they're like, hi, um, I just received a, an email from our majority owner who has informed me that we are closing this venue effective immediately. So if anyone has travel plans to come here, please change them. And so all they did, many people had already bought a ticket to the show, even though it's in D December uh, at a small venue, but they they just refunded everyone's money in DC and didn't explain why. So then my phone started blowing up. Are you okay? Why did you cancel? I'm like, Oh my God. Anyway, I had to hustle. I know what point of this story you want me to get up to, and I'm going to get there, Christopher, Correct. but I will tell you, I that have my text messages to you on the ready. The DC, <laughs> the DC date has been rebooked for December 10th. And it's going to be at the DC comedy loft who graciously is letting me, perform there at a holiday weekend on short notice. Uh, so I believe most of the people who had bought tickets have already been made aware, but if not, uh, December 10th in DC, along with six other cities, please go to my website. We start in Chicago on December 1st, we go everywhere. And then we end in LA on December 20th. But the moral of the story is that when I texted Chris, the body of the email that I had received from the venue called crazy aunt Helens, it turns out that the majority owner's name was Mary. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Sit down. If you're standing up right now, people, no one, well, anyone think this is as funny as we automatically yes. do. Yes. Her name was Mary Quillian Helms. <laughs> Say it again. He sends me, okay. He sends me the text message. It says, dear performers and friends, like I received this news, blah, blah. And I said, oh my fucking God. And then he goes, never in my life. And I said, also, how dare you be in touch with someone named Mary Quillian Helms and keep it from me? <laughs> and then I texted back again, all capitals, Quillian. <laughs> and you sent me back all capitals, like 90 million ha-has. And then I have never spoken to MQH exclamation. <laughs> so not only is this woman who, by the way, I've never spoken to her before. No <laughs> one speaks to the owners of the clubs where we're fucking performing. I've never spoken to this woman before, never even heard of her, but she is now a term in the fixing famous people glossary, which you can get by joining the lowest tier of our Patreon. If you'd like to see that, that glossary, it now includes MQH, Mary Quillian Helms, cartoon villain who shut down her DC club <laughs> because I was performing at it. Oh, I did use a British accent there. My friend Danielle says I slip into it. She was right. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of Patreon, we got a lot of subscribers. People are loving all. the- Thank you, yes. Thank you guys all, seriously. This is, we were like, maybe two people will do this. And so many of you have signed up. If you haven't yet, please go check it out. Patreon.com slash Fixing Famous People. We have three tiers. You get so much with each tier. And we're really, really excited that so many people have already signed up and are, you know, championing this show. Now we have to get over to our fixie and our guest, and we are leaving out a lot of stuff. So come back next week. We'll be talking about 
Cher all of a sudden being the nation's number one pop star, introducing Santa Claus at the Thanksgiving Day Parade, lighting the Rockefeller. I don't. She's also a thousand years old. This is a real, this is the career bump that Cher needed, this Christmas album. She's a living legend. Living legend. I just can't believe she's going to be everywhere. I don't, I don't know what to do with my December. I'm going to have to cancel everything and just crawl into the trunk of her car, I guess, and just go to all of these openings. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. We'll also talk about, well, next week we'll talk about Chris's mother being furious with me that I said she picked out gay outfits for Chris when he was an infant. There's nothing really to say. She goes, those outfits weren't gay. And I said, yes, they were. were. First of all, and I, I resolved this weekend when I was chatting with my cousins, I was like, I, anything that you put an infant in is just going to look gay. You could dress your one-year-old in a football outfit. And I would be like, that is such a cute gay football outfit. You just do all infant clothes look gay. I don't know what else to say. I'm not indoctrinating anyone. It's just, there's no way baby clothes just look gay. Period. Anyway, we are so, oh God, I don't even know what to do with myself. I've, I've cried. I've laughed. We got to get to our guest. Do you read a movie or TV review and wonder if you and the reviewer watched the same thing? I'm Julia Washington, host of Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, and every episode my guest and I examine a different pop culture property, past and present, and how it impacted and influenced not only society, but us as well. We take a look at the reviews from the people that we are told we should be listening to and reflect on how that makes us feel as well as... Do we agree with them? We've covered topics like My So-Called Life, When Harry Met Sally, and Bring It On. We dug deep into Ted Lasso and Monica Lewinsky and the Depp Heard trial. So if you have an ex or two like Jordan Catalano, rejected the notion that men and women can't be friends, or always rooted for the Clovers over the Toros and wondered why no one else did, then this might be the show for you. You can find Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous anywhere you find podcasts. 
Um, she has a laundry list of other things that she is responsible for. So I'm going to let her talk about them. Welcome, Bridget Todd. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And we are uh, excited to have you. I have a master's degree in Lena Dunhamology. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually, I know quite a bit about her career and work, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dig in. Tell us before we start a little bit about your podcast. So Beef is a podcast that I make with Next Chapter Podcasts, and it is all about the juiciest historical rivalries and dramas and beefs that you've never heard of. Uh, so if you like people being messy and petty and feuds, it is a podcast for you. We do, we by the way. Yes, yes that's, that's yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you're interested in the Ann Landers Dear Abby drama... So are we. Oh, it keeps wow. us I mean, up at night. Back. Oh, <laughs> yes. I love that. Some of them are historical. Some of them are more contemporary. But yeah, all, all the beefs that you've never heard of. Ooh, I love that. Uh, well, we, Bridget, we begin every podcast by seeing if you, our guests, know the middle name of the person that we are fixing this week. What is Lena... And by the way, do we have a confirmation that it's not pronounced Lena? Has it's anyone Lena know? Are stop we sure? It. Okay. This have is you like heard when you ask, say it. This is She's, like when you, has she introduced herself to you, Chris? This is like when you asked if That's Gwyneth Paltrow's real name was <laughs> Gwyneth, which we know is not. <laughs> I did, and <laughs> since then, I'm now an alternate pronunciation of that would be Gwyneth as well, which we Gwyneth. didn't include. Never stop. until she introduces herself to me, I don't know what it is. Bridget Christopher, what do you think? Lena Dunham's middle name is. I'm going to tell you this. This is the toughest one that we've had so far on this podcast. Is is it not a common middle name? Is it uncommon? I can't answer that. Um, Is it, I want to say Rebecca, but I know that's not correct. I, it is, I don't know. It's something fucking crazy, right? I wanted to say Marie because my middle name is Marie. And I feel like if you don't know a girl's middle name, Odds are you could uh, Marie's a good guess. That Marie or Lee, those are always or Lynn, those are always good guests. Well, Lena Dunham does not have a middle name. Oh, god damn it. Oh, this was a, a trick question. Yeah. It was a trick question. It's usually but not. <laughs> it's really I mean, it's the same question every week. This week it's a trick because Lena Dunham is difficult, obviously, and we'll get into that in a moment. She does not have a middle name. Uh in the past, she has referred to herself as Lena Lucky Fred Ned Cookie Milky Simmons Dunham. <laughs> Turns out that was a joke. If you can Why? believe it, she doesn't that have a middle name. Was that her real middle name? No. I mean, Bridget, I would assume, like the rest of the planet, that your first exposure to Lena Lena was on Girls on HBO. Am I wrong about that? That is a good, like a fair assumption. But actually, my first exposure to Lena Dunham was. was- Tiny, Tiny Furniture, furniture. Yep. yes. Her Same. feature, first feature film, which I have to say, like... Was good. Was good. It is, like, yes. a legitimately good movie. You know, when... I'm sure we'll get into it, but when people were like, girls, it's going to be the voice of a generation. I, having watched Tiny Furniture, I get what all those voices were, like, zeroing in on. Because Tiny Furniture did feel fresh and new and exciting. Right. And it was at a time when, like, Netflix was starting to stream. Like, it was – you had access to these smaller things that, like, we would never t- – five years earlier, we would have never seen that movie. It would have went on the – when it went on the um, 
it would have went on the festival circuit. People would have liked it. And then she would have gotten a job. And then we would have said, oh, what's girls? But the fact that it was like on, I remember being able to watch it on Netflix. Yeah. And it was like autobiographical and it was like very good. I don't know. She just did a really good job. And it was like, wow, this is like what you said, the voice of a gender. Like they but did then, the two of you know about this before girls or was it something you discovered? It after? was, it was like, I heard about it. Like as girls was like becoming teased out, that like the show was going to come and it was going to be a big deal. And I had seen it before girls, I believe before girls was ever a thing. I, I was just like an indie movie, like one of those insufferable people that's like, Ooh, what's this new film? I must, I must see it. Noah Bamba. Oh, I, I need to like, I, I was like that kind of person. So I, I had seen it and, and sought it out before girls, before I ever knew what girls was. Little yeah. did you know, 15 years later, you would be on the world's number 14 <laughs> podcast <laughs> talking about it. It's all come. I've been preparing for this moment my entire life. For a long time. Yeah. A yeah. moment like this. <laughs> um, but that is really a tiny furniture was like her first big thing that like some people saw. And I want to say that like at the beginning of her career, it was very unfair how much they blew her up into becoming the voice of a generation. Totally. Like before the show even aired, it was like rabid fandom of like, this show is going to be the new sex in the city, which right. again yes. is like, in my opinion, the only show to ever have more of a cultural impact on our nation is The Sopranos. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. in my opinion, sure. the number one female-led show to ever exist. Well, that if, was all you needed. I mean, yeah. they were sort of cursed and blessed with that statement before the show ever came out because there were people who, based on, oh, it's the new Sex in the City, there were people who already absolutely loathed it before they yeah. watched even one single frame of it. You know what I, I mean? remember that being the vibe. I just think that it it sort of got this unfair place that allowed a lot of people to kind of gleefully project a lot of things that they, that, that one show could not possibly live up to. But I, I remember like even before it came out, there was this so the the poster or like the image for the show was all four of the girls from girls sitting on a park bench. And I remember seeing this like meme that somebody had created that was pointing out how all of them had famous parents of some kind. So like right, Lena's, right. Par Lena's mom is Laurie Simmons, a visual artist. I would actually argue that like Laurie Simmons is, is very big in the art world, but I don't know that she's big in the way that like it's would not, allow you to she's, get. Like, she's not Brian Williams. I'll say exactly, that. Exactly. 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 <laughs> right. Like, I don't know that it was totally fair to make Lena the face of nepotism. Um, but yeah, but even before the show came out, people were pulling it apart in this way um, and talking about all the ways that it, wasn't going to be representative of, you know, 20 somethings or how it was going yeah. to be like, yeah, there was a lot projected onto it even before it ever right. debuted. And, and it was obviously girls was much more golden girls than sex in the city. Hence correct. the anal intercourse storylines. <laughs> Thank you. Rue McClanahan from the beyond is still influencing our society. Oh, an icon. Remember Tom when Blanche sat at the table and said, give me some cheesecake. I did some butt stuff. You don't remember that episode? <laughs> oh, dear God. It's pretty brain ingrained into my you, mind. Actually. You are, you are correct. Cause like at the end of the day, like the, the biggest complaint and kind of like what the point of girls was, was that like none of these women were likable characters. They right. all had problems. They were all insufferable. They were all annoying. And they all were like, they all, 
didn't do the right thing. And then think about how many other shows came after that where it was like, I'm a mess. Like, I'm a train wreck. Like, I don't know how to do any. And we're like, finally out of that. Thank God. Thank right. Jesus, Francesca Christ herself. Right. But well, like, thanks to the thanks to the Golden Bachelor. Yes. yes now we're yes. finally out of it. <laughs> How dare you? Because they all um, have it together. It's almost a cliche now. Yes. But back then, that, that was new. You know, you had to sort of be, not only did you have to kind of, if you were a female character on TV, have your shit together, be aspirational, blah, blah, blah. You also had to be like thin and hot. And, but also pretending that you didn't have, like, like think about um, like Tina Fey on 30 Rock, how the joke of 30 Rock is that, oh, she's so unattractive, but she's clearly an attractive woman, right? So like you, if you were going to be someone who was a little bit of a mess, you also had to be hot, but then everybody in the universe of the show thinks that you're not hot. And that's the joke. Right. Very weird times. <clears throat> For sure. Well, and that was the other thing is that she was like naked every episode. Like I oh, remember yes. everyone being like, stop being naked. And she's like, no, like I'm going to make you look at my naked body while I have sex with very hot men. Mm-hmm. Adam Driver, who's now an A-list, yes, way more famous sure. than her. Oscar like, like, Donald Glover. Yes. Or like, not, I'm gonna, you're going to watch me. What's his name? Um, Sorry. Uh, Danny Glover. Very controversial. Childish Gambino. I'm forgetting his name. I thought it was Danny Glover from the Lethal Weapon film no, series. No, the elderly not. gentleman. That would be a weird episode of Girls. But he would sort of fit in there, wouldn't he? Perfectly. A bit. Yeah. She was like, you will watch me like fucking like do splits on a dick. Like you will see this body do that. And that was and that like is- unheard of. That's in the pro column for her, though, always. Correct. You know what I mean? Like body positivity and like having a different body in a space where there was only one kind of body for decades. I mean, her appearing, she was on the cover of Vogue, right? And the the controversy that it caused because someone above a size zero was actually on the cover of that magazine. I mean, people were saying the meanest things. I mean, in defense of models, like these, these girls starve themselves their whole lives to be on the cover of that magazine. And Lena Dunham does, has no regimen and she just gets to go up there and you're like, yes. You're like, listen like, to what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you listening at all? So we should start talking about some of the problematic things that she has done because appearing on the cover of Vogue as a person who is not anorexic is not actually a crime. That's not something you need to fix. The one that popped into my head first was this thing that she said about her sister in her book. Bridget, do you remember? Oh yeah. I, so, uh, I have done a two part deep dive in my (sighs) podcast. There are no girls on the internet about this. Well, I'm going to take a seat. Go. Yeah. So I have a lot of information for you. Uh, Lena Dunham, um, Lena Dunham's sibling is called, uh, Cyrus Grace. So, Cyrus Grace is trans and uses he him pronouns and but when when Lena Dunham when Lena Dunham published her memoir Not That Kind of Girl that was not the case. And so the big kind of story or anecdote from that memoir is a couple of passages where Lena does describe some I'll say on some she describes things with Cyrus Grace that are sexual in nature. Some of them I feel like are normal things between siblings when you're young. Um, How she writes about it is a little bit crass. And when that memoir was published, because it's published by Lena Dunham, it was like lots and lots of attention on it. There was like a intentional right-wing smear to to misrepresent that passage. And so um, this uh, Ben Shapiro's then organization 
published an excerpt from that passage and said that Lena was having these sexual interactions with Cyrus Grace when Lena was 13 and Cyrus Grace was one. But in fact, Lena was three. They snuck a one in there. And so a lot of people believe that this passage describes Lena Dunham essentially molesting a one-year-old baby, when in fact it's describing a three-year-old and a one-year-old doing things that I think most people might think are like well, normal. Yeah, also two children, yes, two babies doing, like what are you even, yeah. So it's funny because that is still a a, a, a thing that endures. If you read any I... article about Lena Dunham, I guarantee you in the comments it'll be like, she molested her sibling. She's terrible. Well, that's the other. Th- I was getting ready for this because I was like, okay, like, how do we talk about this? Because if I, if I was remembering it, I was remembering that they were both like 13-ish. And that was like worse. But you're telling me it was a one-year-old and a three-year-old, which is like not as bad. And that book was huge. I mean, maybe I'm under a rock part of the time, but this is the first time that I'm hearing that they're only two years apart in age. Is that possible? Chris, had you heard that before? I, I don't. I didn't know, but again, I wasn't like paying too much attention to it. But Man, I, it changes the entire story. Like it was yeah. always like a a a preteen or a teen touching a toddler. That's always how the story was delivered to me. Yeah. And so, in fact, in my research before this very podcast, including two articles that are up on my screen right now, it makes no allusion to the fact that they were only separated in age by two years and that Lena was three at the time. Yes. And yeah. And they're neither of them are like verbal yet. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so crazy. Yeah. It's fucked. And it's like one of those things where it's like, the only reason I know this. So so again, don't feel bad if this is information that you're hearing for the first time, because there was a definite intentional, like verbalized, vocalized right wing media campaign to take, to like make her look bad. Ben Shapiro's organization. Why can't I think of the name of it? Um, well, why would you want to know it? I know. Move right along. <laughs> it's forgettable. Need, yeah. But they, you know, at the time, Lena Dunham was this well, very- she's like liberal. She's like a perfect yep. target for people like Ben Shapiro because she's like liberal, weird, fat, and ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then she's like, and putting herself on TV naked. And he, like, please, those are, that's like his trifecta. Exactly. So like at the time she had made this um, campaign ad for Barack Obama's reelection campaign that was kind of like cheesy where she's like, oh, you want to do it with the the first guy that you do it with should be important. You know, do it. By do it, I mean vote for Barack Obama. It's a little clunky, but like it was like a big deal. She was a spokesperson (laughs) for Planned Parenthood. Like she was a a vocal like lefty liberal yeah, voice yeah, yeah. who was actually pretty good at like using her voice in on behalf of like lefty social causes. But you know, as we're talking about her and to be honest with you, I'm not like a fan or a hater of Lena Dunham coming into this. I know that she's, you know, said some annoying things. I think she qualifies for fixing famous people, obviously, but as we're talking about her, it was almost like a setup from the beginning. I mean, for, for HBO to set her up as the millennium's answer to Sarah Jessica Parker, you know, to the generation yes. below her, yes. it's, it is almost like you are being set up. So millions of people just, People who already hated millennials just used her as a representative for that entire generation. And, and so and she it was, just came part and parcel of like a blanket bitterness toward the and, entire generation. And she was given a pla- – like she was deemed that without 
earning it. Right. Like by the right. time when the show was coming out, it was like, this is going to be the show that defines a generation. That right. is like what people were saying. And that is like what the marketing of the show was. Right. And she had, no, and she was a nobody and no one knew who she was. And none of the girls on the show were anyone either, despite their parents being famous. Do you know what I mean? So it was like all these nobodies come being plucked out of obscurity to like, and they were co-signed into being like these spokespeople without their consent in a way. Right. Right. Yeah. That's such a good way to put it. And yeah, I mean, it's not surprising to me that she, that, that of course that, that that show could not live up to the wild expectations that were projected onto it and like that it was upheld to. And I almost feel like we, like, I remember getting into like a pretty intense argument with a good friend of mine where I was like, I don't like how Lena Dunham is being positioned as this voice of a generation I don't think that's I don't think that's fair. And she was like, well, it's not fair that Lena Dunham has been, you know, cast in that way. She didn't choose that. And so it is this impossible thing of Correct. you can't help but being, you know, graded by this rubric that you never signed up for in the first place. Correct. Right. And it then, it, you know, so she's already controversial before she even has a chance to identify who she is to the world. She already has people hating her. And then the show was the show was going to be provocative either way. So all it did the the pre-show press only made the show itself more incendiary. But then she later goes on to do things like compare Bill Cosby to the Holocaust. Uh, these are things <laughs> these yeah. are things that are not HBO's fault. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I haven't heard that. That's oh, that's unfortunate. You know what I mean? It's like these are the things that you can't blame on, like, well, you were misrepresented. It's like, no. And she did apologize for it on Instagram. Um, but that was just the first in a series of, and these, I, I believe a lot, most of the incidents that she's known for the provocative incidents happened after the book came out. I don't know mm-hmm. the timeline, but it seems like the book, it was like, first it was girls, then it was the book. And then everything just started like piling on top of her. Well, and she did a show, she was not in it, but she wrote a show for HBO called camping and oh, I've I seen watched it. it and I, I thought it was it. absolutely incredible. It was, it was Jennifer Garner was the main character and I thought she did so good in it. And it was like, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Bridget. I thought it was so great. And I remember that it like, right after that happened, something had happened where someone came forward about the set of girls was really toxic or something. And it kind of like ruined the show. Like they kind of like ushered the show through really quickly. And then I think they even took it off of streaming. Like just because that had happened. But I remember being like, wow, she really is a good writer. This is a really good show. But like, I wonder if she started to like miss being in the press. Because there would be like, then she would say these things that were incendiary. She would do all the, like she started to have all these like really wide swings with like comments or things that she would be in. Like, I wonder if she was like, oh, you guys miss me? Like, Here's this thing I'm going to say about Bill Cosby. Like, I wonder. (laughs) These moments from her seem to happen like annually Mm -hmm. since girls went off the air. You know, some of them are her fault. Some of them are from other people. Like there was, I think girls might've still been on when she had said in an interview or on a podcast that, um, that although she had never had an abortion, she had wished that she had one. I remember that one. Solidarity. And it was like, 
Oh, girl, I don't know about that. I mean, I know you'd think. Also, like, think just don't say stuff like that. <laughs> it's so annoying because, yeah, like, I understand what she's for that. I, like, get it, but it's like, no, like, just be of service to others. Yeah. I mean, if, if I were being paid to fix Lena Dunham, that would be my number one bullet point. Like, don't say shit like that. Just be in service of others quietly in the background. And if you have thoughts, send them to the group chat. You don't have to tweet them. Yeah, if you're a magnet for shit, and this is the problem, she was created as a magnet for shit because HBO did her wrong by, you know, establishing her as like the 2000s SJP. And then you've got all this other shit happening. And when stuff comes to you, when the shit is being delivered to you, you have to respond appropriately. So when an actress files sexual assault charges against one of the writers on your hit television show, don't grab the closest microphone and vehemently deny it when you are supposed to be one of the people leading the movement against shit like that happening. Just don't talk. And you told on yourself because you should be the first person in line holding a flag for like me too. Not right, being yeah. right a supporter of someone that's being like allegations, or, or just shut your fucking mouth and don't say anything. Exactly, like this. This was I. I always said you like this is the moment that Lena Dunham lost me forever. Like I up until the point that this happened, I was like, well, you know, she said some things, but she's a good writer. Blah blah blah. This the way that Lena Dunham behaved in this whole incident was. There was no coming back from that for me. Like she put out a statement where she said that she had inside information that this that the person making the the the, the survivor was lying. She was like, "Oh, trust me, I am privy to inside information that makes me confident that this person is lying." This was a young black woman who was uh, assault like assaulted on on the set of her show. So when you publicly call a woman of color a liar saying that she's lying about a se- like a, like being sexually violated you there's no coming back from that like it's well, it's so like, it's so wrong it's oh, not to Aurora. you to like say that it's good or bad it's to you to say that like you're upset that this person felt this way on your set correct then i don't know maybe 6 months or so later don't quote me on that she came out in a piece and i want to say vanity fair and was like even though I said that I had inside information about the about that that proved that this person was lying, right, right. That's she said I made that up. I had no such information. I think it was like a women in Hollywood event at Vanity Fair. She brought the survivor's mother on stage no. and and like apologized to her. Like that this shit like fucked with my head. It, I just remember thinking like this is fucked up. I thought it was fucked up to lie about it. Obviously, it was fucked up to in an article or an op-ed, admit that you lied, and then bringing her mom on stage to, to apologize. And in that, in that apology, I will never forget it. She says, I've learned so much from you, and I've really learned that I have a lot of growing to do about how to be, you know, about, I have a lot of learning to do, and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, honey, you were you were responsible for the livelihoods and the well-being of people. You had a responsibility as a showrunner. You don't like she she did this like, oh, 
oh, gee whiz. Yeah, like, like gee willikers. What like, I, what I didn't I, know what yeah. I was doing. <laughs> no, this dying. is what she said. Um, no, I was going to say her statement said, quote, when someone I knew, someone I'd loved as a brother was accused, I did something inexcusable. I publicly spoke up in his defense. There are few acts I could ever regret more in this life. I didn't have the insider information I claimed, but rather blind faith in a story that kept slipping and changing and revealed itself to mean nothing at all. And I believe, like, don't quote me on this, but the the survivor, her father is the actor um, Harold Perrineau, who was um, Mercutio in the Romeo and Juliet remake. Oh, he was and, on Oz, too. Yeah, Harold yeah. yeah. Um, he, like fairly recently tweet like maybe like a year or two ago tweeted in a way that made me feel like he feels like you just described Dominic where he's like you know you said that you're sorry guess what I don't forgive you like yeah apology yeah. not accepted mm-hmm. which that's I completely insane. get and that sucks because it's like it's like you said earlier Bridget like she is was good at like being this like leftist like you know little activist and like using her voice well and then it's like to just shit all over that and show us that like those aren't your morals and like yes it's one thing to make a mistake but you're like actively trying to like blame this person and like for something that they are the victim of right and i think this event is actually the reason that she needs fixing because unwitting or not, she was the face of a generation. And by doing, by, by denying the sexual assault allegations, she fulfilled the right wing fantasy that they all have (laughs) about woke millennials, which is that it's all bullshit. Like all of their causes are bullshit. And when push comes to shove, it's not, believe all women it's you're a liar i know she has an illness does she have endometriosis she does have endometriosis and it's clear that like her health has been like a chronic issue that she's hopefully like managing i think she did some time in rehab for addiction um I think, um, oh my God, really? I did not know that at all. To what? Oh, me... she was addicted to releasing statements to the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a she real problem. Twitter, I can tell you that much. I can tell you I've come very That's close. Ter- we're horrible. <laughs> we are horrible people. <laughs> what did she go to rehab for? She was addicted to denying sex assault allegations. Yeah, it's a, it's a real addiction. It uh, is a d- addiction. Because mm-hmm. she still continued to put out movies. She had a couple of movies and she produced um, this HBO show, I think, what is it, Generation? So, like, she's still... Which, which P.S., was amazing. That was a great show. That was a great show. They took it off. Oh. It's gone. It was so good. I'm so upset. Like, we were mourning it when it left HBO Max. We were, like, mourning that it was... Because it was so good. I have to ask, is it one of those shows that they just like stopped making or is it like I couldn't go stream it now if I wanted to it's you like you can't go stream it now if you wanted so to and, it's, and it was a thing about about like it was back when they, they were all like oh they're getting rid of all these shows so they can like take a tax break from it and like have like a loss or whatever and and it was it was like a more queer less sexual version of euphoria okay like it was like kids in high school they were all like discovering their sexuality and like coming out to their parents and like it was so good it was like, more queer than euphoria yeah what was the setting richard simmons asshole <laughs> like how could it have been more queer than euphoria i'm i'm i said what i said yeah she has done she has produced work since yeah yeah and, and, and I, I 
good work. Like not, she is, that's the thing at the end of all of this, like she is extremely talented. And I think that she, another way that I would fix Lena Dunham is, and I think that she's sort of doing this now is just let the work speak for itself. You don't have to be involved in every conversation, every argument. I also think that you don't have to like take the bait. Like if somebody, if you, I think that she, the, the last time I saw her in the press was she had tweeted when I die, I want my body oh, like dragged through the gay neighborhoods. And I want and they'll say she wasn't for everybody, but she was for us. And it's like, okay, that's oh, like I a remember this. Like, yeah. cringe tweet. I wouldn't have tweeted it, but also it no didn't one, have to You didn't have to say that. Well, yeah, the, exactly. The, the backlash was the queer community tweeting her back and saying, It's the most Lena Dunham. <laughs> white lady from the O's thing to do, which is do to declare yourself a gay icon. She, like, you can't that's not gay icon. It's, it's not, not like self-proclaimed. Like you don't get to just be like, it's me. They love me. It's not how it goes. And again, like you did that so that people would write about it. Like don't even right. tell me that you didn't. Like tell your friend that. Like text someone that. You know, if you really need to say that to someone, you can text someone. Get a good You group don't chat. need to put it out to the entire world. Lena Dunham was like in the Bad Blood music video that's like about Katy Perry. Oh like God. Lena is what? one of the women in the video. I didn't know that. I did yes. not know this. Yes. Wait, am I wrong? Hold on. <laughs> You're probably make- right because they were like, like, do you remember how Taylor Swift, when pe- people would, would ask- on like, to anyone with fame? Yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> she would be like, oh, I'm not a feminist, blah, blah, blah. And she credited Lena Dunham with like giving her her feminist awakening that she she says that the reason why she became a feminist and political is because of Lena Dunham. Oh, really? That's... Yes. Okay, so she's done some good in the world. Yeah. Right. She she made Taylor Swift, and then Taylor Swift kicked her out of the squad for being overweight. That's the headline from this podcast. <laughs> Are you? Do you two identify as Swifties? We don't. Okay. No. Sadly. Neither I'm do not, I. I'm not a hater, but I, I wouldn't. I'm not a Swiftie for sure. I'm a hater, but I also <laughs> realize that she's like the most like powerful person in music. Yeah. I mean, it's not even for with Taylor Swift. It's not even like girl power for me. It's like, Hey, ordinary people can be famous too. Like, that's great because there is, there's a big ordinary streak happening there. Um, I don't get Lena. Lena Dunham is basically the third person to be seen in this music video. And she's smoking a cigar in the first shot that you see her. (laughs) What? (laughs) Just saying, is it a cigar or a blunt? No, it's a cigar. (laughs) I have to tell you that I don't, I know we're about to go into the fixes. Whatever comes out of my mouth for the fix. Is the first time you're hearing it. Yeah, I I don't even know. (laughs) I am am counting on the spirits of my ancestors and Judy Dench and Cher to come through me and Mariska Hargitay to come through me and help me help Lena Dunham because I have no idea what, (laughs) what to do to fix her. All right, let's pitch. Okay, Bridget, you know, sorry. Okay, Bridget, this is the part of the show where uh, Dominic and I are going to both pitch uh, ideas of how Lena Dunham can get back in the good graces of society. It's just a hard, this is a hard (laughs) one. (laughs) I did not realize the extent of, I don't know if I would have put her on the list if I realized the extent of how she lied. She lied about like. Molestation. Someone's denying sexual abuse. Yeah. Like just straight up being like. You didn't know how, you didn't know how weird and dark this was going to get. No, I really didn't. Um, It's a triple crown. Here we go. (laughs) Not the 
around molestation, <laughs> lying about sexual assault, and the Holocaust. <laughs> the real hat trick. Dear God. All the people we refused to fix, and now we're fixing this bitch? We should be ashamed of ourselves. <laughs> Wait, who who are the others that you were like, that's a bridge too far, we will not fix them? Russell Brand. Ooh, yeah, can't be fixed. He's the first Joe. one that pops into my head. Kanye West. Kanye can't West be can't be fixed. Um, when you said Russell, I didn't know if you were going Brand or Simmons. Ooh, Both of them are pretty bad. Yeah, I yeah, don't think I, Russell we Simmons is No, we wouldn't do Russell either. Simmons. We wouldn't do Russell Simmons. And that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> like, we do want it to be funny at yeah. the end of the day. Okay. Not like dark legal advice. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, he's too unhinged. Like, those those videos of him like on the yelling on the on the camera phone, too unhinged. Too much. Yeah. Um. All right. Lena Lena Dunham. Here we go. It's funny because my pitch is exactly what Bridget said. Let the work speak for itself. You are not cut out to be a showrunner. You don't have, you're too explosive. You you're, you either want to be an it girl, which you're not anymore, or you want to be a, someone that works. Okay. And you can't be both. Sorry to say. And that's why your career doesn't fucking work. And it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> What Lena Dunham is going to do is that she is going to be a staff writer on a show. She is going to take herself down a couple pegs and she is going to show up to work and she's going to have her little bob and she's going to get her little computer out and click clack them keys and say, "Uh uh-huh, okay, great. I can have that draft by tomorrow morning. And she's going to shut the fuck up about any everything and just do what she does best, which is be a very good television writer she everything she does is really good and if you look back on girls now like after the initial rage of it is over like it's a very good show and when you watch it now you're like wow this really did inspire so many things that like even though i'm like glad that they don't exist anymore like she did really change the landscape of tv for a little bit so what she's gonna do is just be a really good writer work on shows, have her name in the credits sometimes, maybe work under an alias, and then maybe 10 years from now, be a showrunner again. Because according to her apology, she like has a lot to learn and she like is just a sure. little girl that doesn't know anything about anything. And so you shouldn't be the head of a show. You shouldn't be, as a 24 or 5-year-old, be the showrunner of a show with a million bajillion dollar budget. Like you actually aren't cut out to do that. So I think she does need to learn how the industry works and learn how like to treat people correctly and how to be the leader of a show. And she's going to do that by getting in the writer's room, making really good episodes of TV and working her way up from there. I know it's not a crazy pitch or something that's overly funny, but that's my pitch. Well, it is noble and, and reasonable. Um, I do take issue. Like I know that girls, sort of broke some ground. I don't I, I don't know that she redefined the landscape with it. I mean, girls sure. was no. it, it was yes. Golden Girls with monsters. I mean, it was not sure. this was not like it didn't change sure, but, the landscape. But so know. many things copied it afterwards. You're also decades younger than me, so that show definitely means more to you than it would I just like because I'm one of the people that rolled my eyes at it when they did the press release. I was okay. So the reason, (laughs) think about it. Looking the HBO show masterpiece. 
masterpiece. Only, only existed because girls existed. I quit this podcast. Am I wrong? I quit. No. Listeners, please come to my new podcast starting next week called Fixing Chris Rosa. How <laughs> dare you? They didn't, they would never have greenlit that show if girls had not been successful. Dominic, look me in the face and tell me I'm wrong. I'm mad now. <laughs> that show exists. They put it out like two years into girls because it was the gay version of girls. You're wrong. I don't even okay. know if I mean that. I'm just looking you in the face. No. Which proves I can lie. Okay. Okay. Whatever you say. Here's my pitch. I am right. Here's my pitch. Chris is right. I'm fine with you being right. I don't have an ego about it. But also, this is my last pitch on this podcast. I, <laughs> Lena Dunham, you are, you know, you are just someone that can't keep their mouth shut. And most of the time, the shit that comes out of it post girls causes a controversy. So while Chris wants you to be quiet and have a below the line job, Dominic, bitch, I, I want you to do it. I want I you, I, knew no, it. I wanted to host a late night talk show Ooh. that will last 10 episodes because she's going to insult every single person who comes on the show. And that's, I mean, I, I don't even need to give her advice about what to do. I want it to be the Lena Dunham show. And I just want her to be herself. It will last 10 episodes. That's my prediction. And that's it. Because I want her to keep going too far. I want her to insult the elderly. I want her to be racist. I want her to slut shame. I want her to compare every guest on her talk show to some human or natural tragedy, like the Holocaust or Hiroshima or just anything. That's what I, that's, that's what I want her to ask Nicole Kidman. That That's what I want her to ask. Oh I God. want her to say, I want her to ask Nicole Kidman, which was worse, the Stepford wives or El Nino. That's what I want her to do. <laughs> the Stepford wives is pretty bad. Oh, I gotta say. So bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Dominic, I, I actually kind of agree. I think she could take Chris's advice and, and go that route. But I think I actually wouldn't mind for Lena to just sort of lean into it, right? That's like, it. you know, or, kind or of, really lend into it. Lend into it. Lend right. into it. Kind of like a, like a Caroline Calloway, right? Like, you know yes. what everybody thinks about Dominic, you. Dominic doesn't just know roll. who that is. Okay. I don't know well. who that is. <laughs> well, Everyone's nodding, and I'm like, no, 52. Like, I'm sorry, who? Who's Caroline Calloway? She's an infamous scammer, and everyone knows that she's a scammer, and she's just sort of leaning into the scam. And I think that suits her. Rather than trying to pretend she doesn't scam or hasn't scammed, she's like, yeah, I scam, and you love that I scam. Kind of like Anna Delvey, right? Okay, like, her, yeah. lean, lean in. Yeah, lean in. Saw the miniseries. Saw. There you go. Yep. Um, All right, well, so Dominic, it. you picked Dominic, Bridget? Oh, so I I meant to pick who's who's You have to pick. You have to pick pick the winner. Oh, it seems that you're picking Dominic, which is fine. I mean, Chris, your advice is like good, solid advice. Like, if she was a friend of mine, I would say go with Chris's advice. As a spectator, as someone who likes to gawk at shit shows, (laughs) I gotta go Dominic on this one. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, valid, valid. Chris, you were getting too close. We're we're right there in the history of this podcast. We're only separated by like two wins. I needed to pull away. I needed this winner. Yes. Fuck yes. I'm glad Um, we could get you a double like a man today. I just don't sound like one. 
I thought for sure that you were going to say that she was going to become like a right wing pundit and like start like completely. <laughs> when you started saying get louder, I was like, no, not oh, her teaming no. up with Ben Shapiro. Or I thought for sure. Yeah, that was I oh thought for sure that was going to be your pitch. No, I could see it, though. I just could for see no it. reason she would do it just for no. Yeah, reason. just for the just for the just for the story. Yep. Yeah. Um. I mean, there we go. Good job, Dominic. Great win. Um, thank Bridget, you, Chris. tell us where. Thank you, first of all. Bridget, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. Tell them about your podcasts. Like, tell me every tell us. Everything. Oh, well, thank you for having me. This was the best. This was super fun. Thank you for um, coming. You can listen to my podcast with Next Chapter Podcast called Beef. If you want to hear more about historical pettiness, you can listen to my podcast on iHeartRadio. There are no girls on the internet. We have a two-part deep dive into the Lena Dunham sexual molestation allegations. It's more fun than that just made it sound. It's, I swear it's like fun. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> like it's, a, it's, it's not a dark episode. I'll put it that way. I, I feel like I need to say that. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC. And I guess that's it. Wonderful. Dominic, where can people find you? Well, you can find me at my website, domentary.com, where you can be linked to tickets to my holiday show. In December, I will be going to um, Chicago and Boston, Atlanta, D.C., New York City, L.A., and San Francisco with Dom We Now Our Gay Apparel, my annual holiday show. Please come or find me on socials at, at Dominic Pupa. Chris DeRosa, my final question for you this week is, where can the listeners of our podcast and their friends, families, and associates find <laughs> you? You guys can find me at the Krista Rosa. You can find the show at Fixing Famous People. Please leave a review and let us know who you want us to fix next. I wish you both well. And as always, where's Shelly? Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.